Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now and What, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with America's health and wellness expert, Dr. Felicia Stoller. During my conversation today with Felicia, she is also a fellow author and she wrote Living Skinny in Fat Jeans. She told me that she always has ideas and new ways of being creative in the works and I truly believe that about her, which is how I feel about being an author myself. Writing is a great way to be creative but also share your knowledge. That's why I wrote my book, because I love to write, but I always wanted to share all the things I learned about being a dietitian that no one told me. If you are interested in I'm a Registered Dietitian, now what? Head on over to Amazon and get a sneak peek of my book. Nick Sticks is a fabulous snack to take with you when you're on the go because you don't need refrigeration and it's totally portable. It was great to have these snacks during a busy week of meetings. What's great about Nick Sticks is that there's no nitrates, no hormones, no sugar, no red dye, there's no gluten, just all the goodness and all the protein you need for the perfect snack. If you want to learn more about Nick Sticks, you can head on over to nicksticks.com and I know that they have lots of easy ways that you can order and have them shipped to your house. My conversation today is with America's health and wellness expert, Dr. Felicia Stoller. At the Iowa Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics Annual Meeting Expo, there was this eye-catching booth with tons of pink all over the booth, and there was a very vibrant and interactive woman manning the booth. This is where I met Felicia, who is a registered dietitian nutritionist, exercise physiologist, author, and journalist, as well as co-creator of Regular Girl, which is a prebiotic and probiotic fiber for women. And this is what kind of brought her to Iowa. She was talking to other registered dietitians, and I got the opportunity to speak with her more. When I was talking to her, I quickly realized I needed to do a podcast with her and learn more about her journey, not only with her extensive education background, but with the expertise she has as an on-air talent, as well as in other forms of media. I learned a lot during this conversation, and I hope you do too. Please enjoy my conversation with Felicia. Let's go back to when you, when did you decide that you wanted to kind of do this as? This is a third career for me. Okay. So it's really, I have a very interesting tale to tell. I'm all I, um, I'll actually, let me, let me go back, like, let me take it back a, a notch. When I was in eighth and ninth grade, from eighth grade on, I volunteered at a hospital as a candy striper. That was like back in the 80s. <laughs> That's what they called them, candy stripers. We Mm -hmm. wore these goofy little uniforms. But the first area that I rotated through was dietary, bringing trays to patients. You know, I went with the person who worked in food service and dietary and uh, would go up and they'd whip up the food. I remember somebody making eggs in a microwave in a styrofoam cup and I'd bring the tray into the patients. And that was my first exposure to that and and the food line and a morbidly obese dietitian or whoever was in charge, you know, the food service manager who barely could stand up. And that was like my, I mean, I never thought, I never thought about dietetics again, you know, until I actually got into um, being interested in going to school for it. So I went to Tulane University. I got a 
bachelor's degree in political science and sociology. I originally thought I wanted to be a business major, didn't get into the business school. Uh, then I thought I'd go and be a lawyer. So um, after college, instead of going right to law school, a family friend said, why don't you, you know, said to my dad, why don't you have Felicia work at a law firm first and make sure it's what she wants to do. It's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of schooling and it's expensive if that's not what she wants to do. So I worked for top 10 in the country, Wall Street law firm, worked like crazy 16, 18 hour days, oh got my goodness. best business skills there. I mean, really my sure. best, most impeccable business skills is stuff we would never learn in healthcare. Um, working for this big Wall Street law firm, decided I didn't want to be a lawyer. Nobody there liked, <laughs> so being didn't, la- nobody didn't there liked their job. So then I went to go work at ABC News doing licensing for the network news division. So I, I, I only needed to know enough law you know, to get through reading contracts and understanding some basic principles. But this is before the internet, and this is before you could get everything online and watch it again. So people used to want to get copies of clips online. Oh, Forget about people. I, w- I really wasn't supposed to be dealing with consumers, even though I accidentally would get their requests. I really dealt with all the aftermarket use of news footage. So anytime another network wanted to do something, so a celebrity had been on Good Morning America, they wanted a clip on another news show. So I dealt with other networks and other syndicated shows. So that was really interesting. One of the coolest projects I got to work on was gearing up for what they, they ended up producing called the Century Project, which was in 2000. Greatest moments of history sure. that were captured on tape, and I got to go through a lot of stuff in our tape library that you know had never been broadcast before. You know, going through like different eras and looking for unique footage that wasn't your typical like the Zapruder shot that everybody knows from when JFK was shot. You know, there's like certain moments in history, but it was really about capturing some of those other moments. And you know, it's fascinating and learning how to research. And I'm a news junkie anyway. Are you? Yeah. So you know, I'd go to lunch and I come home, and my voicemail had like 20 messages. And I would wonder who died, you know, and often that's what would happen is, you know, when something like that happens in the world, you know, they always, they get ready. They always have these obit reels ready to go. But still, you know, if it was like, I remember it was like Irma Bombeck died and she had been on Good Morning America. So like everybody wanted footage of her. So, you know, it was that kind of thing. Or, you know, I remember. That makes sense because you see the same real almost all the time. Yeah, and then you look at things, like I remember when O.J. Simpson, that whole O.J. Simpson, I mean, you know, there are like certain really poignant things that happen. I remember being at work and just like, you just couldn't leave your desk because it was just, you know, that, or when uh, Jackie Onassis died. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there are just certain things that, that went on. But it was an exciting, it's an exciting industry to be in. And I thought I would just try to move around within the news division and go work at a show unit. And I went to speak to somebody who hires all the producers for the different shows. I mean, you know, you'd go meet with the executive producer, and they would they would say, all right, give us three well-developed show concepts, show ideas, and pitch it. And then you'd pitch it, and they would tell you it sucked. And then, like, six months later, they would be doing it. So I just was like, I, I think I'm missing something here. Anyway, this gal said to me... Um, Instead of getting a master's in journalism, which is something I was considering doing, going either to NYU or Columbia, she said, you know, there are a dime a dozen around here. You know, you're making like a decent salary. You're like almost 30 years old. You know, do you want to, you can go get a master's degree. You're going to end up having to answer somebody's phone again, making like $20,000 after grad school. You're going to spend all that money. Do you want to do that? I'm like, hmm. So she said, why don't you become an expert in something you're really passionate about and see if you can't work that back into media. So take one step back. I had gone to a dietitian, an exercise physiologist. I noticed that from working at the law firm, I really never got to work out the way I used to. I used to always be an avid fitness enthusiast. I was an athlete, always, and even when it wasn't popular for girls and to be an athlete. And 
you know, I like I worked these crazy hours. So when was I going to the gym? I mean, there was a time when gyms were not open 24 hours, and I used to have to be at my job at 8:30 in the morning. So the gym didn't open at seven. It opened at seven. There was no way I was working out, showering, and getting down on Wall Street from where I lived. And so, you know, going on a lunch hour was never really a lunch hour. It was never encouraged. You took a full hour for lunch. It's like okay, you take 20 minutes and back to work. Mm-hmm. Because at the law firm, every 20 minutes of your time had to be billable to somebody. Oh, sure. Yeah. So there was all that pressure to really work um, hard and diligently and on billable work and not to sort of screw around. And so, um, so you know, I had noticed that I had gained like 20, 25 pounds, which, you know, and when you're five foot four and you weighed under 120 pounds and then all of a sudden you're like 140, 145 pounds and you've doubled your clothing size. And there was a time when a size four was the smallest clothing size. So when I talk about the fact that like all of a sudden I'm an eight and it's doubled, I mean, now there's twos and zeros. It's like funny that I'm the same weight I, I was then, like, bef- you know, before all this happened and now I'm like a two. You're like, what happened? For a zero. I love that. I'm like, nothing. What does that tell you that you're a nothing, right? You're a zero. (laughs) You're a zero. You're a zero. (laughs) Anyway, so I went to this woman. She changed my life. I had been working at it like the Gold's Gym. You know, with the big bodybuilder guy. Oh, yeah, you know, the giving big me guys. bad advice. <laughs> I read every magazine and I sat and I boohooed in this woman's office and I'm like, I don't understand why I can't lose the weight. I was working out twice a day. Couldn't twice lose a, weight. a day. Twice a day. I would go in to between the your eighteen hour day. Well no, this is when I went to I went I went to go work at ABC News because now okay. I had traded up like higher earning potential for a salary job where it was very nine to five. But I could have flexibility to have a life. You know, I mean, I made a decent salary, but I could go to the gym. I could go running in the morning. Like, I really could do that. So I used to run in the morning, and then I'd go to the gym on my lunch break, or I'd go running after work. And, um, you know, I had, the gym was, like, across the street, so, like, all this... So it was, you know, it was like, fun going to the gold yeah. gym. I'd see, like, Madonna. I'd see James pop- Taylor, Carly Simon. Oh you know, I'm working out doing arm curls. And I'm like, God, that guy looks so much like Kevin Bacon right behind me. It was Kevin <laughs> oh Bacon. I, like, nearly slammed into Bruce Springsteen at the locker room. I was like, <gasps> like a deer in headlights all the time. But, it, I mean, it was a fun place to be. And I would go with one of my friends. And, you know, we'd work out and, and you know. It was, it was, you know, it was, I was able to incorporate physical activity into my day, but I also had to change my eating habits because I was eating wrong. That was when fat-free was really popular. Oh, yeah. And snack wells. And, you know, truthfully, I was trying to be a vegan. I wasn't doing it right, you know. I was, you know, the volume of food I was eating to offset, you know, the protein from animal sources just... You know, there's so much misinformation. That's when there were all these diet pills. Not that I did them, but there was like kooky diets, you know, like eating cans of tuna fish for breakfast. And ugh. <laughs> I mean, now I don't care as much about that. Sure. But um, then it was just, I was bombarded with information and I didn't know how to process it. And that's what this woman did. I mean, I sat and I cried in her office. Well, you know, I, I want to lose weight. I want to be thin. I don't understand where all of a sudden like this weight came from. It was just because my lifestyle changed. You know, mm-hmm. I was you know, partying like a rock star in New York in my 20s, going out to, oh, you know, you don't need the same kind of sleep. So I used to go clubbing with friends and, you know, have like four hours of sleep and go to work and just do it all over again. And alcohol adds, I mean, it all adds calories. And, you know, she said something very interesting to me. She said, you know, we do women a disservice in letting them think that their bodies stop changing when they're 18 years old. And the truth is, till you're in your mid-20s, your body's still changing. And, you know, 
Even in our professional training in dietetics, nobody ever talked about it, but I have noticed that. I noticed that when I counsel people. I remember my brother, who's eight years younger than me, when he would eat like an animal. I'm like, yeah, just you wait till you hit 25 or 26. And, you know, sure as hell, when that happened, it's like... Completely you know, Everything changes. changes. Mm-hmm. You know, things change. Like, my hips were still changing. My I, like, had never really had breasts before. Like, so my body, like... It doesn't really stop when you no. hit puberty. You're still evolving and changing, and we're still, you know, our bodies are still growing in different ways, uh-huh. in different directions. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, so it was adjusting to that and having somebody say, if you really want to lose weight, don't drink alcohol. I'm like, what? I You're like, my, ah. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm going to the Hamptons all summer. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> not, not drink. work. <laughs> right? So, you know, and I try. you know, I did. It took me a year to lose 25 pounds, but, you know, I never gained it back. I had two children, I gained appropriate weight with both pregnancies and lost it all within a year. You know, I never gave myself that like crazy, um, I need to lose it in any particular time. And I, it, for me, it's never been about the weight as much as how I feel. Just feeling good. Feeling good. Mm-hmm. And it's about being healthy and being good to my body and trying. I mean, there have been years where, you know, when my kids were younger, it was hard to get the exercise in and make it a priority. But as they got older and as I got older, I was able to really carve it out and practice a little bit more of what I was preaching to other people. And, you know, that's what I do. Like, I don't exercise for any other reason other than that makes me feel good. You it's know, like therapy. It is therapeutic. It's good for your it mind. Is. It's good for your body. I was teasing you before. I'm in <laughs> menopause. I'm starting menopause right now. I'm 50 and I'm feeling great. You know, and I had a big 50th birthday party for myself. I only good. do a party every decade. I only do like a big. Yeah, I'm not otherwise party. into parties. Like every decade. And I was like, you know what? I'm rocking 50. I look good. I feel That's good. Fabulous. I'm in a great place in my life. I remember going to a friend's 40th. I was 37. And she said, you know, you spent all these years trying to figure out who you're going to be. And now that I turned 40, I have arrived. And you know what? When I turned 40, I had arrived. I'd just gotten divorced. I'd just gotten a TV show of my own. I'm like, how cool was that? I just finished. I was finishing up my doctorate. And I, I was really felt like I was on top of the world. I mean, in a relationship that was different, but I had two kids. And, you know, it, it's hard being a single parent, but I was like, damn, you know. And then 50 is even better. That's what my mom always tells me, too, because I just turned 40 last year. And she's like, wait till 50. It gets even better. It does. <laughs> I mean, because as, as much as I felt more, I felt more confident in myself, like, really, like, my 40s was really about more self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Not in a cocky way, but in a, you know, I worked really hard the entire decade of my 30s I spent in graduate school. Well, if, yeah, if you went back to school and got... I got a double master's degree from Columbia, and I worked full-time at ABC News for two of those three years. Oh, my gosh. And so that's when you did the dietetics. And then I did the dietetic internship after that. So okay. I did three years for the master's, another year for my dietetic internship. Oh, my goodness. And then I, then, and uh, then I had children. one year, then I was raising children, and then um, I took one year off, and then started my, well, I'd take one year off. I really wasn't intending to go for my doctorate, but I started a doctorate after <laughs> my son was born. That's how it happens, I just, hear. <laughs> well, a professor at Rutgers kept calling me and saying, I really want you to be my graduate assistant. I really, I'll make you a deal. You can't refuse a free education. And I thought about it. I'm like, oof. 
I don't know, like getting through a master's degree was hard because I was not a good student in college. Like I had fun, but I didn't know how to study. <laughs> but I figured it out by my senior year, but it was a little daunting to go back to graduate school. And I was very intimidated by the level of science that's required in dietetics. And I always say that to people, like this is not a blow off, you know? No, I don't It's not know. like just let's eat these foods. Oh no, you have to know the biochemistry. You have to know anatomy and physiology because also I wear the, the double hat with sure. the exercise mm-hmm. physiology. And I wanted that because I wanted to know more than the trainers at the gym. You and know? then have that powerhouse of nutrition behind it. I mean, you're like unstoppable when you have both of those. And I encur- I've encouraged a lot of people to go back for the other degree. If somebody had one as the undergrad, I encourage them to do the other for their graduate degree. It's just such a great synergy. And interestingly enough, the end of October, I'm doing a board certification in lifestyle medicine from the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and they're doing that with the, um, the what is it? I'm trying to think what it is. The um, hmm, APCM, the American, um, I'm trying to think what it is. Physi- um, I can't remember the acronym, but they, it's a partnership with another organization for preventative medicine. Which so, is where it's at. It's just really it. where it's at. So they have it where they they're doing their first board certification. And think about it in dietetics, we don't usually do board certifications, no. we do a test if we want to do something extra. You know, and I and I helped do the first sports nutrition certification. I, I helped write ask. it, but I didn't do it. I'm like, how many more letters can I have at the end of my name that don't mean anything to anybody? My my letters at the end of my name are so obnoxious right now. So adding a board certification is just another you know, thing. another thing. But they have 300 physicians doing it, and then they have 50 others. So I'm one of the others. So you have to either That's have really a master's cool. or a doctorate to do it. So, you know, like, what is lifestyle medicine? It's it's what we do in dietetics anyway, just with a different name. It is. You know, a so it's name. food choices, physical activity, smoking cessation, you know, alcohol reduction or, you know, moderation. moderation. Right? <laughs> Stress management, which is something that I've learned more about. You know, I've been spending a lot more time focusing and learning on more of like that Mediterranean lifestyle and and even stuff with the blue zones that uh, Dan Butner's, you know, pulled out. It's like, what are these people have in common? It's, mm. we spend so much attention on, should I be paleo? Should I do oh, this diet, no. that diet? You know, at the end of the day, when you look at most of those diets, it's not just the diets, it's the physical activity. It's the stress reduction. It's being part of a, being part of a community. There's a lot to be said for that. Like, you know, in nutrition, elderly people face the greatest risk of malnutrition f- for the mere reason that a lot of times they're isolated and by themselves. They're, we are social. Yes. Right? We are social as humans, and yes. we need to be together and feel like a part of a community, whatever that is. And for a very uh, limited period of time, I used to do consulting with adult medical daycare centers. Oh, did you? Earlier on in my career. And at first I was like, I don't do nursing homes. But it wasn't a nursing home. And then I thought about it. You know, how interesting is that? Like, you send your kids to daycare when you go to work, but if you're a sandwich generation parent, you've got mom or dad with you, what do they do all day long? They're going to sit home and watch TV. They should be out with other people their own age if they're living with mm-hmm. you, you know, or they're on their own and maybe they're not in a 55 and over, like an active adult community or, you know, whatever it is. It's nice for people to come together with other people that they have something in common with. Yeah, that conversation, that just that camaraderie, and I agree. So, I don't want to be sitting by myself. <laughs> you right, know what I mean? Like right. when I'm that, a little bit older too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's been a cur- you know. So then I end up switching from one part of Rutgers to UMDNJ, but now they're all the same. So, um, and my research was in worksite wellness. So again, the integration okay. of physical activity, food, 
and um, everything you and were everything. an expert in. Yeah. 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 And, and it was a thing that it. you couldn't pass up. So yeah. you did it. And you I did, did it. And I did it. And I was doing some corporate wellness on the side as, you know, for, for a company, for a corporate wellness company anyway. So it was kind of cool to be able to do that. And, you know, it's not any different than what you do in private practice. Sure, sure. You You're know, just, just in, in a different setting, mm-hmm. you know. And I love counseling and educating. And I've been teaching at the university setting in the community. Co- I started at the community, local community college. Did you? As a, you'll love this as a means of getting over my fear of speaking in public, which is oh. so ironic because <laughs> you? I speak. No way. I speak in public all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I was telling people at the Today's Dietitian Conference, like I used to get like sick to my stomach every time I'd have to go give a talk. I mean, in graduate school, we used to do presentations all the time. Mm-hmm. And it just made you nauseous. Oh, my God, I'd have diarrhea. And... I'd be in the really? toilet. Even when I was going back and forth to college, I would get so sick getting on an airplane. About it. No, just going on an airplane to go home. Really? I live in New Jersey, and I was going to college in New Orleans, and every time I'd have to get on an airplane, I was so panicked, and I'd get so sick about it. Oh, no. Now I travel fifty to 70,000 miles a year. You're all over the place, yeah. So I talk about embracing the things that you fear the most and facing and them head them. on and do them because, you know, it's like procrastination. Oh, sure. <laughs> do the thing that you least like first so that you don't spend all your mental energy being upset that you didn't do it. But, um, That's true. you know, and, and this has been an exciting field to be in. It's limitless. Well, and it kind of sounds like you had, you've gone, you've done so many different things. That's what's great about your story because you, it's a third career. You ended up getting your doctorate. You kind of did some consulting mm-hmm. and then, you know, you're now into your own private practice, basically. Yeah. Yep. I guess and I do consulting. And, you know, the reason why I did the doctorate was twofold. One, so that I had the doctorate, so that if I wanted to go into academia beyond what you you could do with a master's degree. I had it. Mm-hmm. It was done. Um, and the other is because I was doing media and there weren't a lot of dietitians doing media and there were other quasi experts, you know, the fake experts out there sure. <laughs> uh, calling themselves nutrition experts. I figured that if I had that credential of doctor, not that it didn't matter exactly what you had your doctorate in, but when you've got people that are, you know, astronomy or, you know, physics, uh, physics or, or yeah. like, you know, some, some local TV stations have a dentist that's doing their medical reporting and they're calling them doctor. And, you know, I was at a, med- I was at a dental, dental and medical school, you know, the dental students learn stuff totally different than medical mm-hmm. students, but because someone's a doctor, you get to use that, that title. credibility. Yeah. They think that's what gives you the credibility. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, that was the reason why, I mean, and I'm, I'm so not the call me doctor kind of person. <laughs> Even with my, when I taught at Rutgers for four and a half years, I would tell the students, just call me Felicia. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, and my kids think it's funny when they, they would either go to class with me or we'd bump into a student and they're like like panting like <laughs> afraid of me and my kids are like people are afraid of you <laughs> they're like, just our mom <laughs> like really <laughs> yeah so that that those are like the funny things when I bump into students and for a period of time especially when I was at the community college I was always bumping into students oh I'm mine. sure it's a lot yeah. smaller environment but I inspired a lot of people to go into the field of dietetics which is among the among the many things that I've done that truly I'm so proud of you know when you think about how you measure success some people look at it as money some people think oh yeah TV whatever TV doesn't always bring you business I mean it's mm-hmm. good but for me it's a means of communication and I want to be that expert because I want to be the expert versus the faux expert that's out there mm-hmm. and I'm so about the science training and not misstating things and really keeping within your scope of practice. And um, so that's really why I, you know, I do that. 
So what do you focus, what's your like main focus with your business? Is it more of just like the communications aspect, whether it's TV, whether it's radio, whether it's print, whether... Think about what we do even in a private practice, even Mm -hmm. in counseling, it's communicating. All I do day in and day out is communicate food, nutrition, health information. Um, Sometimes it's breaking some stuff down. Sometimes it's being an advocate. I mean, I've gone down to Washington many times with the Academy. I've gone with ACSM, with the American College of Sports Medicine. I've been equally as involved with them as I have been um, in the dietetics field. And why? Because, like, I believe so passionately in what we do. And, you know, when there are times when we need to have legislation, we need to be there. You know, I want the legislators to know that we're here as a resource, Mm -hmm. you know, to them, that there are real people with real expertise that they can go to. So, you know, I mean, I just love sharing the information that Mm -hmm. we have. Mm -hmm. You know, every once in a while I'm like, oh, can I just turn it off? (laughs) Well, you probably find yourself doing it even if no one asked you to do it. You know, just kind of like, oh, did you know? <laughs> well, I do have, I do, I don't know about you, but do you find people sometimes don't want to eat around you? They're like oh, a little yeah. crazy in a All restaurant or at a meal. Or they and, say, don't judge me. And it's like, I don't, I'm not even looking at your food. <laughs> I know. A lot of times I'm like, hey, I'm not working today. You know, I'm <laughs> off. Clock. You know, on the weekend, I'm not working. I don't sit and judge everybody's plate and fork full of food. No, yeah. and, you know, but, um, you know, communicating the information is important. Um, reaching more people. I mean, I love doing one-on-one, but when I do things, whether it be a book or an article or, you know, a radio interview or a podcast, whatever it is, the more people that I can get in front of, the better, because, you know, it's like that if you tell two friends and then they tell two friends and mm-hmm. so on and so on and so on. And I heard so. this and it's from a credible source. And yeah, yeah. 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 And it's nice being that credible resource. And I guess because I've had so much media training, I can try to tell the story in a concise manner. (laughs) (laughs) I would think you probably do a pretty good job of that. I usually do. Yeah, but but also because I've been a teacher, it's really trying to understand how do you explain that to somebody. And I did a medical journalism residency at ABC News uh, when I was finishing up my doctorate before I got the TV show. And just to give you an example, there were some stories that I worked on that were pretty impactful that, you know, even... Ten years later in my career, those are subjects that whenever they come up in the news that my ears sort of like perk up like a dog, you know, like I'm like a great (laughs) day. Like, whoop, did you just say, did you just say BMI? Did you talk about sudden cardiac arrest or steroid use and athletes and... Um, and so one of the, and another one was on vaccine safety, which is something that I've, you know, been, even then this was before the whole thing came out where the doctor who wasn't really honest in his Lancet article, this is before that even came out. I just remember speaking with folks, but we were following an article, uh, a story that was going to be breaking. We get, you know, in news, you get stuff that's embargoed from the journal. So you have a few days to prepare. And uh, we did a story about an outbreak of measles in some rural town, I don't know, Ohio, Illinois, somewhere like that. And in doing the research, I was able to figure out who the person was who brought it back from Europe. That's what it was. Somebody went on a church mission. Mm. They lived in a community where people weren't vaccinated. And somebody came home, went to Sunday, you know, supper at their church and infected like 15 to 16 people. And you got to know that a lot of infectious diseases, doctors have never seen these infectious diseases because mm-hmm. they were, you know, pretty Go much gone. gone. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just through talking to people, I was able to talk to different people. I, I just started making phone calls and finding out things. And I go to my executive producer. I'm like, oh, I talked to the girl who brought the measles back. He goes, <laughs> how did you get her on the phone? He goes, what? What? <laughs> 
I go, I talked to her. He goes, how did you talk to her? I go, well, I asked her. When I called her house, I made a few phone calls and spoke to some other people, and then I called her house, and I asked her if she was 18 years old, and she was, so, and then I told her who I was, and we spoke, and, you know, then the parents called me back, and they didn't want their information given out, but I was able to get enough information from the store, and he's like, how did you get the root of them? I said, because I use my counseling skills. Mm-hmm. Because when I speak to people and I interview them, they're as comfortable as when I'm speaking to a patient. Which, listen, I've sat with people, I've had students, I've been a mentor forever, I've been a preceptor forever. I think counseling skills, some of them can be learned, but some of them are just like innate. Either you have really good interpersonal conversational skills and people can feel warm and comfortable speaking to you and safe, or they just don't. And so I think that's something that I'm really good at. And when I was doing my TV show also afterwards, like I just think I'm really good at counseling. People will sometimes tell me things that they don't expect to tell me. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my office people divulge things that I'm just like, okay, like I'm not judgmental, (laughs) but I'm like, this has nothing to do with nutrition at all. (laughs) And so, you know, I find that a little entertaining. And I said, that's what it is. So when I am working as a journalist or I am, you know, doing stories, it translates. I, it translates. Mm-hmm. It's the translation, but it's also how do you get that information for people? How do you tell that story? How do you make people feel, feel comfortable enough to share their knowledge with you or to share their personal experience with you mm-hmm. so that they're not being judged? They don't feel like they're being threatened. You're not rushing them and... You know, so it gets, it's very personal. All of that when it starts yeah. when start talk about your health is so personal. So yeah. you have to be that very open book to yeah. relate with them. Yeah. I could see people loving to tell, like just gushing <laughs> and telling you like the craziest things. I could see that. I mean, so it's, like, it's like the Barbara Walters of health sometimes <laughs> in my office. No, seriously. I mean, it's a good I have one patient. I just finally dismissed her, uh, not in a bad way. Like we just said, I just felt like, you know, it was time. And um, God, the, and she's a significant eating disorder, and the, the self harm that she's done to herself. I'm like, wow, you know that she felt so comfortable to share a lot of that with me. It's pretty impressive. It is. Yeah, it says a lot about you, just as a person, though. Too, like you can always be the professional, but you always tell you have to have that personal side in some way yeah. or form. Yeah. So. so that's what I was saying to you. Like yeah. either you have it or you don't. Like some doctors have great bedside manner, and some just don't. Some people mm-hmm. are like plumbers and surgeons. You know, they're like the oh. they go in, they do their work, and they're done. They're out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they're not right. warm and fuzzy at right. all. <laughs> right. Well, look, and you look at social media now. Everybody can be their own network, right? You can be your own. Magazine, you can be your own, right? Podcast, you're your own radio station. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got your own audience. You build your brand. You know, it's about building your brand. So tell me about your brand. How did you build your brand? I've built my brand. I'm America's health and wellness expert. (laughs) I got that trademarked. I did. Did you trademark it? I did. I trademarked it. Yeah, I did. Um, How did I do that? I was looking at some other trademarks that some of my other friends had. And what, you know, what does Dr. Oz have? What does everybody have? And just looked at that and trademarked it. And you just got to keep using it. And that's how you kind of advertise yourself. Yeah, because it's not just one thing. I mean, for me, it's not just nutrition. I'm not just a nutrition expert. So I'm America's health and wellness expert. That's what it is. It's health. It's food, exercise, like you said, sleeping, conversations. So somebody said to me, you know, you got to come up with your sound bite, right? Like what's your, you know, I have like two that I use all the time. One is the diet and exercise are the least expensive, least invasive, and most effective ways to prevent and treat disease. Now I could say that to you. I could say that in my sleep. Mm -hmm. I wrote it down. I repeated it over and over and over and over again. 
you know, and then I sit on a bunch of boards in the state of New Jersey related to health and nutrition, and I'm on, like, the Governor's Council for Physical Fitness and Sports and Nutrition. They added that on, and um, and at one of our meetings, somebody from the Department of Health would always say, you know, the healthy choice is the easy choice. Yeah, we hear that all the time. I changed it. I modified it on my voicemail. You know, the healthy choice is the easy choice. You just have to make it. You know, it's about personal responsibility and accountability. We point fingers all the time. It's this one's fault. It's that one's fault. No, it's It's, our own fault, right? When do you take ownership and responsibility? Do you sit on your rear end all day or do you get up and you move? (laughs) Do you, you know, food choices? I plan on eating something incredibly unhealthy tonight. I already did some homework about some funky restaurant in Des Moines. What'd you, which one did you find? Oh, whatever that burger, there's some crazy hamburger place. Zombie burger. I'm going there to eat a disgustingly fattening (laughs) and probably fried hamburger with, well, with fried stuff on it. It'll be amazing. There'll there'll be a Tums chaser when I get back to my hotel room because that's (laughs) always in my travel bag. But, you know, that and a milkshake because I've been, I eat healthy like 99% of the time. So, mm-hmm. the, you know, the 1%, I want to go a little crazy. Enjoy. I'm going to because mm-hmm. I don't have any places like that in Jersey. <laughs> we will enjoy I can it. eat it's American fun. food anywhere, you know. <laughs> That's very true. Right. Very I true. can have a steak. I can have pasta, you know. But when you're in the Midwest, you can have a burger. You have to have, right? you have, to yes. have steak. You have to have a burger. So. Some type of meat. Yes. 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 So I will definitely be sinking my teeth into something Good. like that. Good. And, I, and I like to do that, too. Yeah, I think sometimes people think that we're all vegan and, you know, that yes. we don't ever eat anything that's not good for us. And that's so, such a misconception. Just like you said, when people sit next to you, they're like, don't look at my food. It's like, I'm not judging you right, right now. You, the only thing is, you're judging yourself. That's why you feel the need to say that. That's right. Make that statement. So. That's right. That's right. So what's your favorite thing about all that? Okay, first of all, how do you find time for all the things that you're doing? Because, and you have children. I have teenagers. Yeah. So my daughter is a sophomore at Rowan University and my son is a junior in high school and he's in boarding school. He wanted to go to boarding school by choice. Very mature decision of him. Yeah, that is a very, so I think he just felt bad because it's kind of hard for me to work (laughs) and I used to have to (laughs) be home by 2.30 every day and then run my kids around from 2.30 to like 9.00. 30, 10 o'clock at night and then get back on the computer and work again. I mean, that's, sure. that's the peril of being a, 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 you know, a single working mom. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean it in a bad way, but so much of our society is still based upon the notion that there's a stay-at-home mom to cart kids around everywhere. Sure. And if you want them to do things, they don't get there by themselves. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's a very good point because you, I mean, since you do so much, you're traveling all the time, you're mm-hmm. doing stuff all over the country. So mm-hmm. it's like, how do you balance that time? How do you balance and well, choose Like things? I had two trips over the summer. One was to Malaysia and the other was in Copenhagen. And luckily, you know, it, they fell on the weekends that my kids are with their dad. And, you know, my oldest is old enough now to watch her brother, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm away sure. or they could, they could stay at their dad's house. So, you know, I worked that stuff out. You kind of pick and choose based on yeah. your... Yeah, but you know, too. when I was doing Honey, We're Killing the Kids, I used to, we would be out of town, like we'd work on some weekends and like, I think it was like every two or three weekends we'd work through the weekend in the city and my kids were either with their dad or my parents would help out and they'd watch my kids for the weekend for me. And then, um, you know, I used to always travel on Monday morning and we'd be back on Wednesday. We'd travel, we'd tape one whole family on Monday, another whole family on Tuesday, and my whole crew would like sleep late on Wednesday and they'd leave whenever they wanted to. Mm Because, like, a lot of times you'd have to be back either on Friday or Saturday to tape again. And I always was on the first flight out because I wanted to be home. My son was in 
I think it was in kindergarten then or oh, first grade, cool. and I wanted to be able to go put them on the bus. Sure, sure. So that was the kind of stuff that I did, you know, and I had like a nanny in the house to help out with that. Sure. My kids got older. I didn't have that anymore. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's tough, and it's just, you know, it's, it goes back to that work ethic and working really hard. And, you know, sometimes it's very hard for me to turn it off because – even though my kids aren't with me all day long, I get busy, and then it gets quiet at like 8 or 9 o'clock at night. The phone's not ringing as much. The emails that need instant you know, reaction during the day don't come in. So then I find myself like wrapped up in another project, and then next thing you know, it's 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. And I've been trying to focus more on getting sleep, which is that's you know, one of those, those other vital yeah. signs, right? It's another one of those things in terms of lifestyle that's important. And one of my best friends, she's actually the president now of the National Sleep Disorder Association. She's a pulmonologist. And she taught me four or five years ago, maybe more, about the importance of sleep. And we were talking about sleep and sleep apnea. And, you know, it is part of a question that I think we as dietitians should speak to people about. I think so, too. Ask, you know, how many hours of sleep do you get? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we started off, I was laughing about the whole menopause thing. I mean, I've noticed that... I haven't been sleeping well. My weight's been creeping up a little bit. I've been a lot more cognizant of it. And I said to her, you know, when I have nights where I really can't sleep, I will gain like two pounds a day. Like, I mean, it's really crazy. I mean, it's really weird, you know, to be your N of one. (laughs) And I'm like, and then if I take my Ambien, it goes away. So, you know, if you think about in theory, we burn the most fat for fuel when we're sleeping. So if you're not getting enough sleep and you're not in that REM sleep, it's not... It's not good. No. It's not. I mean, forget about the huge. weight. It's really about, I mean, you don't feel good. It's almost like when you have a baby and you don't sleep. You remember when you nurse them and they're up all the time at the end of a pregnancy, you're so uncomfortable, you can't sleep. Well, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm 50, but I want to sleep. I don't want to not sleep. <laughs> I know I need it. I want to sleep. Yeah. I want to yeah. sleep. I mean, not ter- terribly much, but you yeah, know, but enough to be balance. rested. Yes, yeah. and make sure everything's working properly, chemically yeah. wise. And, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I just think about the how lucky are we that we know so much about diet and exercise and lifestyle to help, you know, delay like mm-hmm. anything. So, like you know, um, to knowing about like osteoporosis, right, or mm-hmm. knowing about heart disease. You know, heart disease is still the number one killer in this country. People are so worried about cancer, and some of it we can't really control. I mean, there's some things we can, but that's that's part of the reason why I've worked so hard to really, you know, eat well 90 to 95% of the time, do the right thing in terms of physical activity, because I don't want to turn around and say, like, oh, well, I should have done this or I should sure. have done that, and that's why I ended up with X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. That's a very good message. And that translates into all the things that you probably practice too yeah. with your clients and And my family and my kids. Yeah. And, you know, I would say to my kids, not like I didn't model good behavior in this household for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you've got good, you've got food choices. I don't tell you, you go do a physical activity, you go play a sport, and I'm going to sit home and just eat, you know, bonbons on the sofa and watch TV all day long. We actually have one TV in our house, although now everybody watches stuff on their devices, but I will oh, never sure. forget when I moved... And I called the cable company, and they're like, how many boxes, cable boxes do you need? I'm like, one. The guy did not believe me. He, he was came. like, no way. Yeah, no, he showed up with a few extra boxes. He goes, I've never been in a house with just one TV. I'm like, yeah, we only have one TV. <laughs> it does It does exist. Yeah, it does exist. So out of all the things that you've done, what's been your favorite so far? Do you have a favorite? Like, you've done a TV show. You do, like, you know, Fox News. You do lots of your your highlight reel is awesome. Thanks. Is there something that you really, really are like a hundred percent passionate about more than something else? Or is it kind of, I mean, of I just, I love doing the media stuff. So that yeah. I enjoy, I think 
one out of all the TV shows I've ever done, the most fun I had was doing Star Talk for Nat Geo with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like, mm-hmm. how can you not get better than that? And, you know, I liked it because it was a free-form show where, you know, we taped for two hours and it gets cut down into 40 minutes for an hour television show. I mean, not like, you know, reality TV was different, but reality TV isn't really reality, but True. I mean, and, and <laughs> I, know. and don't get me wrong. I love that, but that feels like it was so long ago. Um, and writing a book is fun and I need to write another one, but that one is a, that's a real hard one to wrap my head around sitting down book. long enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have yeah. like three that I want to write that I just need to, you know, <laughs> you but pick after, the this, one and go. after this board certification, I think I'll have more time oh, to be yes. able to do that. I've been, you know, working on, it's not studying. that, it's not that I don't know it. It's just, it's going to test to the knowledge that they're giving out that they mm-hmm. want, which is some somewhat different. It's not completely different, but there's certain things that I need to spend a little bit more time on. Mm-hmm. So I think once that's in the clear, I'll be able to focus on other books. I mean, I have a I have a contract, a, co- a collaboration contract with Kelly Ripa's production company for a Very show that nice. I wrote, and I'm trying to shop some other TV projects. And I, and I, and it, and the reason why I focus a lot on TV is people still like the visual medium. I mean, Absolutely. you look at things like Instagram and Facebook Live and YouTube, Videos. and you know, people still like watching. Mm-hmm. That's know. for people. It's easy. It's, it's easy. They don't have to focus on words or books or right. have different right. things in front of right. them. So I still like the visual medium as a way of telling a story. So. Well, that's interesting that you even have some more TV shows and like in your head of kind of your book, your yeah. TV shows, you've got lots of different. Well, you know, when you look at people on TV, there are some people that just read off teleprompters and there are some people that just, you know, read questions that are handed to them to ask an expert. And I like telling the story, knowing the information to help tell that story or help craft that message and... And you might as well start at the bottom or start at the, the start of the whole thing and be part of that conversation to create yeah, it. Yeah. That's you know, great. how many shockumentaries have we all watched that we roll our <laughs> eyes up in our head? And I want to do like the unshockumentary, you know, the something that that we in our field would be proud to be a part of. Um, and support. And support mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, you know what? Someone finally told that story right. You know, it reminds <laughs> me of when I was with my literary agent meeting with uh, publishers for my book and a few publishers you know when you actually go in after they read your proposal and they talk to your agent and then they want to come in and meet you and I remember like two companies we went to they were like can't you just do something that's a little kitschy I said I've got a really novel idea how about we tell people the truth and we try to make it sound as sexy as we can because mm-hmm. the other stuff that a lot of you all have been publishing has just been garbage and irresponsible Crazy, crazy concept. Let's just be truthful. <laughs> Let's just tell the truth. Yeah, and, okay? and make it sexy because, you know, you have to do that. But the truth is... I had this great professor at Columbia who was the physiology professor, Dr. Ronald Demiersman. He's retired now. I think he's back in uh, Belgium, where he's from. And he said, you know, you can't change the anatomy and physiology of the body. I mean, anatomy, like, I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about, like, you know, cutting things off. I mean, like, the truth is the way the body functions is the way the body functions. How we transmit nerve signals is not going to change. And he said, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. So everything that you do has a potential to have a negative effect. So think about the diet drugs that were out there, Mm -hmm. right? Think about even the bariatric surgeries. Like, there's... You know, there's there's something that does there's a risk and reward in everything that we do, right? But you still can't change the inherent nature of how the body functions. Right now, we are not quite there. 
Mm-hmm. So the physiology of the body doesn't really change very much. I'm not talking about disease states or anything like that, but I'm just talking about like normal functioning, how our eyes function, how our ears function, how we chew, you know, chewing, maybe it's a little different, but you know how we break chemicals down, how our bodies, you know, I always think the body is so fascinating. It is. You always have this level of homeostasis of everything, right? Like we want to maintain blood sugar levels within a certain range. We want sodium levels within a certain range. We have fluid balance. Like think about everything that goes into making that happen and how fascinating that is. It's so fascinating. And people don't think about it at right. all. Even right. though we've kind of are like, oh, yeah, I wonder how my blood sugars are doing after that. You know, it's just interesting how you think of your body differently when you know Think how about it's the working. fact that you can't hold your breath. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can hold your breath. You know, like little kids have a tantrum. Like, okay, you hold your breath, and then eventually you're going to... You're going to breathe. You're going to breathe. <laughs> you're going right? to pass out, and then you're going to breathe. <laughs> you're going to breathe. You're just going to breathe. Yeah. You know, yeah. like there's certain things that we just can't do to harm ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. but there are other things we can. But, you know, it's just interesting. Um, you know and how, how f- people take take that kind of stuff and run with the complete opposite. Right. <laughs> right. 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 So tell me, you're here today with the Iowa Academy meeting. You have a product that you have. Oh, yeah. I was here with Regular yes. Girl, yes. which is a prebiotic fiber with probiotics in it. The prebiotic fiber is sun fiber. So I've done work in the past with Tayo, which is the company that uh, they're an ingredient company and they make sun fiber, which is not sold directly to consumers by itself. It's usually branded under other, you know, private labels like GNC or vitamin shop or other companies have, um, you know, put their label on it and produced it and distributed it. And it's been in the Nestle nutritionals for a long time as a, um, as a medical food, there's over 400 research studies uh, that have, it's been a part of looking at digestive and gut health. And like gut health is like all the rage right it now. Is. Oh my so gosh. a number of years ago, I was sitting down with the president of the company and I'm like, I love sun fiber. It's so great. You know, we say it's the fiber that goes both ways. It's a regulating <laughs> fiber, you know, for diarrhea, constipation, whatever. It's great. Mm-hmm. And because it's gluten free, it's also wonderful. I said, you know, but the deal is most of these fiber products are in these big plastic tubs. And they're really not, as, as a clinician, it's not something that I want to say to a patient, like, hey, go make an investment in a $30 product, and if you hate it, like, you're stuck with it, right? Like Metamucil mm-hmm. or Benefiber or some of the other things that are out there that people, you know, don't like. They, you know, they don't like it because it had a taste, it had a flavor, it would gel up, it just wasn't right. great. Other people would have GI distress. So we have this great product, but again, it's not so easy to find. How, you know, how can you make it more consumer friendly? And I'm a huge fan of single serve everything. Like I like the hundred calorie snack packs. I like the little <laughs> snack packs. My kids are older, but they're little. There was like the hundred calorie snack pack drawer. You get one thing out. So I like everything single serve. I travel, and I was thinking like, wow, if I had like these little stick packs in my pocketbook all the time, if a friend was complaining to me about their bowel habits, I could like whip it out and give it to them and say, hey, try this. So that's really what happened. And we spoke about marketing it to women because women feel a lot more comfortable talking about our bowels Absolutely. and our bowel <laughs> habits. And, and we just do, you know, because we, we talk about everything because <laughs> we love to chat with each other. We're not usually shy about it. So that's why, you know, I had some guys asking me, can men take it too? I'm like, it's just the fiber yes. and the probiotic. Okay. It's and so it's safe. You're not going to grow breasts if you, it's like a Luna bar. Like if you eat it, you're not going to. I gonna... know. I was just talking to someone about a Luna bar the other day. Right? So, yeah. So, I mean, it's exciting. And, and, you know, to be a part of that, that you have a conversation and then something goes to the next level and becomes a product. 
and um, and and then we even decided to sell it direct, or sell it through, I should say, dietitians. So it launched at Fancy three years ago. So this is going to be our third Fancy third that we're at. Um, and really it was about getting the word out through dietitians that we believe so strongly that, that nutrition's you know, registered dietitians are the real, real nutrition, nutrition experts. experts. Yeah. You know, like we tell people what to eat all the time. They really value what we have to say. Doctors don't have enough time to talk to patients about mm-hmm. that stuff. So, you know, we're just here, you know, I was here just still spreading the word because there are people that don't make it to Fancy that sure. don't know enough about it and bringing our poop charts, which we love, the Bristol, <laughs> the Bristol stool chart in an animated form. Which it's you know, be a useful tool. It's I a think. very useful tool. Mm-hmm. You know, people aren't sure what their poop's supposed to look like because, like, we don't talk about that no, stuff. No, we don't. And it's okay to look. It is okay you to should look. look. Probably. Yeah, you just look and make sure. You know, what came out was not human. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, I'm just kidding. An alien didn't come out. But um, you know, parents that have changed diapers certainly know what that stuff looks like. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's just important to have that dialogue. And in certain cultures, so Tayo is a Japanese company, and in Japan mothers are really, you know, intrigued and interested in what their kids' bowels look like because they feel like, hey, if I'm a good mom and I did a good job of preparing a a good sound meal for my child and I gave them the right foods, they're going to have the perfect poop in that bowl. So it's like, I don't think they take pictures, you know, this no. isn't like selfies and stuff like that. You know, nobody's Instagramming those pictures, no, are they? Not. not, probably not. They'd probably get rid of them pretty fast, but. Yeah, instead of the food pictures, we, no, we can just, yeah, yeah we don't have to we're, go there. We're going to make a, a transition but it's, to that. But, it's, but it is exciting and the product is exciting and there are going to be some other SKUs coming out in 2018. Um, m- one that's going to be a sports nutrition product, which is what I originally went, you know, to speak to the company about, okay. uh, or something related to that. And um, so, are you partners on this adventure then? Yeah, together? Yes. yeah. So we, you know, so we, yeah. So basically, the you know, the regular girl company has yes. all the stuff, and we work together to oh promote it. So it's fun. You like you're you're like you're in everything. I think it's amazing. You're very inspiring because I Thank think you. a lot of dietitians need to know more that you can be so active in lots of different aspects of not just clinical food right. service and, you know, community but nutrition. But I've done, I've done all of that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and people think about it and, and you don't have to have one job. I mean, my, my resume is pretty long. Mm-hmm. I actually had it redone by a company that took the five pages and put it into, <laughs> condensed it I for think, you. to three. <laughs> but when you have a lengthy career of over 25, 30 years, and it's not just one career, you know, you have an extensive resume, Mm -hmm. CV, you know, there's lots of different things that you do. So it's important to, you know, highlight the important aspects of it and be as concise as possible and call out the things that you're most proud of. And that's, that's the thing that I think why I do this podcast too, is because I think dietitians need to do that more. Yeah. I think we need to toot our own horns more. We need to like say, yes, I, I can do this and right. I can do that. And right. You're a perfect example of that. And hopefully that'll inspire some Thank you. I hope so. You know, today at your meeting, you had a handful of women that stood up. I think it was only women because... <laughs> That's most you know, of us here. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Isn't it everywhere? Uh, but, you know, the 50-year members. And I think about this profession in that really we can work until we can't remember what we're saying anymore. Until somebody's like taking that little bow peep hook and like, okay. Pulling us off stage. Right, exactly. You know, like knock on wood, none of us should get like Alzheimer's or dementia or something yes. like that. But, um, and I think working is really good for the mind too. 
mm-hmm. and continuing to learn, right? We always are going to continuing education. I think there's such a great value in that. And to find things that you're passionate about and really kind of focusing on those. Yeah, but mm-hmm. even today, you know, I had colleagues speaking and other folks I hadn't heard before. And, you know, sometimes it's good to hear it again, hear how somebody else described something. Uh, maybe you learn a different way mm-hmm. to say something. You know, um, for as much media as I've done, if every time I've worked for a brand and they want to do some media training or I was doing work with a new publicist and she insisted upon media training, I'm like, okay. I always take it. I'm never so holier than thou and better than everybody else and everything that I do that I can't always learn more. And I think that is among the more important things for us to remember. It's being grounded. Mm-hmm. You don't know everything as much as you might think you do. Even if you but do, there's still more to, to sure. know. You know. Or there's like, a different aspect of, you know, whether it's business, like, you, mm-hmm. you know, business or journalism or marketing or mm-hmm. something that's not directly re- nutrition or health related. Well, I think about, I do yoga and I've been doing yoga for mm, 12 years more. You know, before yoga became hot and sexy, mm-hmm. I started doing yoga. And the <laughs> teachers always say yoga is a practice, right? So, yes, we can be the nutrition experts, but there's always more to learn because science changes. And it doesn't change in terms of things maybe always being right and wrong, but we learn more, right? We oh, have sure. better, you know, if you look at nutrigenomics, yes. when nutrigenomics was first brought to my attention was over 10 years ago. But 10 years ago, it's, it was at a very different place than where it is right now. The testing methods that we have, the assays that we have. I mean, you could even look at things like lab values when people talk about their blood sugar levels, you know, uh-huh. their blood glucose, or they look at their cholesterol. You know, I remind people that there was a period of time where for um, diabetes, it was, you know, blood sugar levels at 140, 150, 160. It wasn't where it is now. We're 120. You're making people crazy. I'm like, yes. really? Yeah. You're like back in the day. Back in the day. And the back in the day was, you know, 20 years ago. It was when I first got into the field. And if you think about it, like you feel like that hasn't been that long ago, but right. that's just how fast things change. change. And again, it's not, you know, when people are like, well, you people always flip flop it on your recommendations. <laughs> yeah. We're not flip flopping. It's just that we learn more. We've acquired more knowledge. We've acquired more data. Somebody said something interesting to me that, you know, the numbers don't lie. So when you have data and you have numbers and you look at the science or you look at em- epidemiology, right? You look at things over a period of time, right? You look at longitudinal mm-hmm. studies. The more time we have, the more data co- we collect, the more information we have. Maybe it just changes the way we look at things. I mean, that's what happened with margarine. That's true. Right? <laughs> that's true. That's what happened. I mean, trans fats were, were created to do one thing, and then we found out we didn't break them down, but they didn't really realize we didn't break them down. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so we changed it. Now we move on. Okay, so we move on. So mm-hmm. we, made, we learn from our mistakes, and we move on like everything else. We mm-hmm. learn from our mistakes, or we learn, or we have a better way to do it, and maybe... It wasn't eating cholesterol. I mean, I remember in the 80s, my brother had high cholesterol as a young kid, and my mom thought we couldn't eat anything with cholesterol. <laughs> yeah, and that's... Because that's what that's... people thought. Yes, yes. And then we learned, well, no, it wasn't cholesterol. It was, you know, saturated fats and certain fats. And maybe now people argue it's not saturated fats, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe what we knew was wrong, because maybe it's not just saturated fats. Maybe it's the whole package. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's fiber. Maybe there's so... So again, you can't just put your finger on one thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not that the science flip-flops, it's that maybe it evolves a little bit more, how we understand it, because we learn. Just like probiotics, like you, that's you know, right. like that's an up-and-coming topic too. And Right, and microbiome. Oh. I still feel like as many presentations as I've sat through, I'm like, I feel like I don't know anything about I it. I probably I, know more than I realize you too, right? Well, yeah, and I think that that's going to explode too, like 
we're just hitting tipping the iceberg on that one as well. Right. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we've thought about that in terms of immediate needs and immediate responses to nutrients and ingredients. And, you know, so often when I've been doing media around, um, around probiotics, it's always been about like gut health and, and the first line of immune defense is your stomach. But now they're actually saying, hey, no, you know what? The microbiome is connected to your brain. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Now we're getting crazy. <laughs> now we're just, that's just a whole other animal. That's a whole other animal. I'm going to have to go take more classes and read up on that, you know, but it's, but again, it's the more, you know, what, didn't that used to be like a PSA or yes. something? Yeah, what was, was that for? I had like, I was like, I always thought after school, like after school. Right, after school shows. specials yeah. or something like There's that, the more you know. Across the screen. <laughs> right, the more you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's exactly what it is, right? Mm. The more we know, the more we learn, the more fascinating. And you, you have to be adaptable to, to that. I think some dietitians, I don't know about you, but I feel like some dietitians aren't quite, they don't adapt with maybe some of the change of thought of nutrition information. And you kind of got to go with it, I think, sometimes and just really be open. Right. And, you know, and educate yourself. I, that's right. Yes. Well, and educate yourself the right way. Yes. You know, I mean, even if you use the internet, you have to know what credible sources are. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's, you know, there's no master editor in no. the internet. <laughs> you know, and that's something even with the media, like just because a book is published doesn't mean it's true. There's mm-hmm. a different, Anybody there's no liability. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, major news outlets have gotten in trouble for things that they've done journals have gotten in trouble, you know, peer review feels like sometimes it's gone down the way, you know, gone mm-hmm. down the wayside. And there's also so many, you know, pay to get into journals now so oh, that, sure. you know, yeah. there's a whole other hierarchy there. But, you know, you can take the findings and you can take them for what they are. And remember that one study has to be reproduced and the results have to be reproducible over and over again to in order for them to really be valid. Yes, Absolutely. And we have to remember that, you know, to not get hysterical. <laughs> always. <laughs> always. But you can take something and you could always rip. I mean, I could rip any study to shreds. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you could, too. Oh, you look sure. at the population and what were what was controlled and what was not controlled. And, you know, and then if you think about, like, the nutrigenomics again, and what I've just been learning about nutrigenomics recently is... You know, some things come down to metabolic pathways, how your body processes ingredients. I'll just say ingredients. So it's not just carbohydrates and fat. It's, it's, it's methylation. It's, you know, how you're breaking down um, micronutrients mm-hmm. and all the cellular processes. You can't change that because it's all been predetermined in your DNA. So then yes. think about, okay, so if that's the case, how about drug trials? How about, like, why a drug works in somebody and not in somebody else? Yes, yes. Everyone's so different. You know, so when you look at studies and you look at people and how much they try to control for, but you can't, what you can, what you can, I'll tell you what you can never control, which is what I always find, you know, challenging when I look at research and I look at outcomes, maybe not in a drug trial, but in anything more behavioral or anything that's looking at uh, consumption patterns or uh, utilization patterns, like for physical activity. What you can't control for is A, somebody's DNA, Mm -hmm. right? So no two people are exactly the same. And, you know, when when you're testing and looking at people, you're looking at a particular period of time, you cannot have eliminated every other factor that could impact that. So physical activity is not always taken into account. Mm -hmm. A lifetime of eating habits, it's not just a in your period of time. No. What you do, what you know, what, you, what your health at 50 is, is the accumulation of every decade of your life. Mm-hmm. It's not what you did in the last 10 years. Well, so. even sleep, like we talk about sleep too, like thinking about sleep patterns too. I mean, how much does that change? But they don't, a lot of times don't take that into consideration either. Right, right. Are you sleeping? Are you not sleeping? Mm-hmm. Right. Are you taking in a medication? Are you taking over the counter? 
you know, uh, medication? Are, are you taking melatonin? Or are you taking supplementation? <laughs> are you taking supplements? What supplements are you taking? Mm-hmm. Are you taking in, a, you know, appropriate calorie level? Are you taking in more? Are you taking in less than what you need? I mean, there's just so many. What do you do for exercise? You know, do you smoke? Do you work in a stressful environment? There's so many things that we just cannot we eliminate, and you yes. can't, you know, strip it down to really get to, you know what that hypothesis was looking for. <laughs> it's so true. But it's being open to it. I yeah, think it's like take yeah. it with a grain I of think salt. that's very important. Do you find that in your media, a lot of your media things that you do, do you get kind of the same kind of questions based on what's popular or trendy in the current time period? Or? So, so something I used to tell my students when they would uh, precept with me is that you have to, I read the news all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm always, every day I get up, I told you before, I'm a news junkie. So after I get through like what's going on in the U.S. and I go on in the world, and then I start looking at what's in the health. And I still get some embargoed stuff from journals. And I get a lot of journal like info and I'm like skim through it. Um, but it's important to know what other people are thinking about. And so that's why when you're on social media or you pick up a magazine, even though I don't really read magazines, I like to see what's in there periodically because, you know, or I could be traveling places, I could be on an airplane, or at a party, people ask you questions. It's about understanding what people's perception are at the time. What's trending? What are people talking about? What is some trend or some craze or some phase that, you know, is going on? I go to food shows to learn about what's out there in the food space, mm-hmm. you know. To, and I started going to food shows before every... I mean, I've been going to the fancy food show in New York for 15 years. Actually, longer, because I used to go when I was in college. My dad was in the hotel business, and he'd oh. take me. But I used to I have a friend that had a food company, and I did a little bit of consulting work for them back then. And he would always give me a vendor badge to go walk the show. And I started doing that before. I mean, if I tell you, nobody was, was in that. that. <laughs> nobody was doing that then. There were no there were no dietitians in grocery stores, and there were no people. There were very few dietitians that work with food companies. It mm-hmm. wasn't to go to work with food companies. I wanted to know what was out there. Mm-hmm. Like before, Kind Bar went after dietitians, but yeah. before they were going after dietitians, I was trying to go after them <laughs> because I loved their product. And mm-hmm. I remember there were very few places I could get their product. You know, and it's 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 nice to see brands grow. Siggy's. I went to go meet with Siggy. I remember it was like him and two other people in some tiny, tiny, tiny office in New York because I tried it, and I, I was like, it. oh, my God, I don't like food that's super sweet, but I don't like non-nutritive sweeteners, and this is the greatest thing ever, you know? It's Yeah, it all comes down to food a lot of times. It's right? just finding... And keeping your finger on the pulse of what's mm-hmm. changing and what's out there and what people are talking about, what people ask you. Right. Yeah. What you read. What you news. read, going to the grocery store when you're not in a hurry, yes. just looking around. Well, really, like look around. What is on the shelf? What are some, you know, you have your go to brands, but then do you take the time to see what actually showed up on your shelf? Or if mm-hmm. I go to a food show, maybe it might take six months to a year till I see something on a shelf. Mm-hmm. That's you true. Know? And depending on your location, too. Right. You know, and some things are going to specialty stores. Other things going to big grocery stores. You Mm -hmm. know, like when the cauliflower tots were all the rage. (laughs) My local grocery store, I'm like, "Um, I'm sorry. How come everybody else has this? And you're like like ShopRite. Like, you don't have I mean, they do now. But I'm like, folks, come on. Like, why are we like the last grocery store in New Jersey to get? Yeah. I mean, you know, people are talking about it and you don't, and I know about it and you don't have it. And I see billboards for it and ads for it, but we're, you know, yes. Yes. So it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's like that kind of thing. 
So, yeah. Well, is there anything that you want to share with anything? I mean, you've shared a lot of great knowledge and expertise in our conversations. Is there anything else you want to share with dietitians that may be listening about their careers or business? Or Well, I think, well, we didn't talk about this. I, I gave a talk of today's dietitian about my success and that for every one thing I've done that I've been successful at, I've probably had 15 failures. So don't give up. You know, perseverance, resilience, really important things to have. Learn from your mistakes. Whenever one door closes, another one opens. It may not open as fast as you want. And sometimes it's really an uncomfortable period when that's going on. But know that there will be something good. I mean, you can't just sit back and not make it happen. I don't mean it like that. You still have to work for but it. And you still have to you work, still have to work for it. But mm-hmm. it's okay. And it's okay to change. And it's okay to make mistakes. Mistakes are always learning opportunities, whether they be in relationships or whether they be with... Um, you know, people at work or in the workplace. I mean, because those are relationships of on certain level too. You know, we spend more time during the day sometimes with people at we work do. than we do with other family members. So we do, and that's true. So there's something to that, you know. So just like you know, you may not like a spouse, and you can get divorced from them. I tell people, <laughs> wow, like if you're in a really stressful situation at work and you've got like a real difficult person and you you can't get out of it for whatever reason, then maybe you have to leave so that it's like for your own mental health and well being that that's you know, that there's a time and a place. And, you know, I, you know, there's, there's, there's something to be said for working hard, but there's also something to be said for having good work-life balance. Nobody on their deathbed says that they wish they worked more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about the relationships. I will say one thing, like, and I, I think this is very true. I remember, oh, over 15 years ago, reading something about, you know, the things that you do with your children. So whether it be for your children or for yourself, you know, if you have money to do things, you know, do you buy yourself something or do you have an experience? And, you know, especially because I had gotten divorced when my kids were little, I was thinking about, you know, what are the things that I want my kids to take away from their childhood that would be memorable? And the things that are most memorable are experiences that we've had, things that we've done together. It's not about the things they have because they've gone from... Um, I don't even know the names of all these little gaming things that they've had <laughs> over the years. You know what I mean? Yes. How they've it was like in. a Game Boy to some other handheld PS, thing. Whatever. PS, right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like a PlayStation thing to this thing to the Wii to the this to the that. Yes. That's not it. It's like, hey, mom, do you remember when we went on this trip to Hawaii? Or do you remember when we went to this or when we did that? I mean, those are the things that... Are important, and I say that not just about kids. It's about what you do for yourself. You know, what are things that I do for myself? What are things that I? It's again, it's not about the things. Mm-hmm. It's about the experiences. What are experiences that I can have that enrich me personally? What are experiences that I can have that enrich me professionally? You know, um, I am so blessed in our field. I have some of the most amazing people. Oh, well, so this is cute. I went to go visit one of my colleagues when I was doing media in Indianapolis, and my sorority's national headquarters was in Carmel, Indiana, outside of Indianapolis, and that's where my friend lives, Michelle Dudash. I don't know if you've ever interviewed her. I haven't. Uh-uh. You should. Um, she's also a chef, Ooh. Chef Michelle Dudash. I'll give you her info. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> she, um, I, was, I, was, I went to my sorority's national headquarters, and I was speaking to the director, and the woman said, so is there anything about being in a sorority that you would say as an adult you know, you look back on that, you know, was helpful to you. And I said, you know, it's kind of funny. I happen to be in the field of dietetics and it's predominantly female. And, and I've worked in other work environments before. I worked in news, I told you. I worked at, mm-hmm. at, um, I worked at a law firm. And when I worked in those places, there were those like, and I, even in one of my in graduate school 
I'm not even going to say, but there was, I had a personality that was very much that old school, nasty, bitchy woman that's jealous. I'm sorry. I'm just going to call it like it is (laughs) because I hate those people. I hate those people. We talk about bullies in the workplace and there are those people that still exist and it's awful. And I have always, I have always sought to bring everybody up with me to work together, mm-hmm. and not, I've never backstabbed one person. I walked away from a business with two friends from graduate school. They were screwing me, and I said, you know what? Our friendship means more to me. You guys keep the business, and I walked away. That says a lot about your character. You know, I used yeah. to keep this quote on my computer, like on a little piece of, like, tape, that, you know, like a, <laughs> you know, when you could, like, do the... What is Oh, yeah. What is that? Um, Where you, like... Like label maker. Yes, like you can type it out on there. Yes. And I had the, somebody said this once, and it's, it is one of my favorite quotes. It says, "A candle loses nothing by lighting another candle." I love that quote. There's nothing that takes that. There's nothing that's going to take away from me if I help you. Mm-hmm. And so often people are so backstabby and all about them, and you know, it's like that whole idea of the me generation, or you know, I got to cut people down. I want to have people around me, like I said before, it makes me feel great to know that I had a student who took my intro to nutrition class and they became a dietitian. Or, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, I mean, I probably had some non-dietitians go into dietetics. I've had some students Mm -hmm. from exercise science want to go into dietetics. I've had nutrition students go into exercise science afterwards in their careers. Like, I want people to be inspired to do what it is that they want to do, Mm -hmm. that they love. So, ask for help, ask people, you know. So what I was saying is I have so many great friends that are dietitians because I'm in private practice, I do consulting. I work by myself. Mm-hmm. So I go to conferences and I go to meetings and I get and I've gone to a lot of industry sponsored events and I meet people and I become friends with people. And you know, sometimes people are a little threatened by other people, you know. They're like, "Oh, they're really, you know, people always, oh, you're so well-known. Like, I'm not that well-known. They can't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. I'm still a person. I'm still a person. I still poop. <laughs> yeah. I still eat. And my poop looks like the poop chart. Sometimes it varies the range of what it looks like on that poop chart. So but I don't know if she had a zombie burger or not, but <laughs> right. But, um, you know, like we should, we should help each other out each and other our, lift each other up together. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something that, you know, when I was doing the adult medical daycare, when I was doing some consulting, I was getting good money and then other people were undercutting me. Uh-huh. They weren't intentional undercutting me they just didn't realize their value they didn't even think to ask for more Mm -hmm. so that and that's actually another thing this is probably the most important thing that there are people willing to do things for media because they just want to do media and know that when you do something for nothing and when you do something at such a reduced cost what you're doing is you're bringing down your value and you bring down the value for other people in the field and I've said to brands many times and I've said to other people you get what you pay for if you want to pay for the free dietitian or you want the (laughs) then go ahead you know you want somebody who's got however many years of experience that doesn't need the same level of you know that isn't going to be green in front of a camera I'm your girl you know Mm -hmm. I mean so and I'm not taking away from people trying at all but understand something that like so this one dietitian came up to me and she said, how did you work for that adult medical daycare center? How did you get all your work done? I said, well, I charged them twice what you're charging them. And I was able to hire another dietitian to come work with me part-time. Look at that. Genius. And I I paid that dietitian a fair wage. I wasn't making that much more money off of her, 
it was worth it to me. I mean, that's another thing too, is think sure. about like when we hire each other, pay each other a fair wage. Mm-hmm. Because it'll come back to you tenfold. It always does. It does. I totally agree with that. You know, Absolutely. it's like that whole karma boomerang. I usually have a karma boomerang around. I retired that for a little while. I think, I think the chain got a little stretched out. I'm afraid I was going to lose so it. Much. Yeah, I didn't take it off for years. But it's sort of like what comes around goes around. And I find, you know, I get a lot of work from other colleagues. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So, and we, and we do it. We do. We all refer and help each other out. So we should really think about helping to bring everybody up together. We're on the same team. I always say that we're on the same team. We're not against each other. That's right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So I think that's my most important message. And have fun with it. We are in an exciting career. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is so fun. And if you don't find it's fun, then you need to go find the fun. That's right. It's out there. That's right. Mm -hmm. And when it's not fun anymore, find something else to do. Yeah. Possibilities are endless. That's right. Yeah, I mean, if you find that you're angry and upset and you're frustrated, then you're not getting that satisfaction out of your career, then it's time Time to to find something else. Time to move on. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's okay. Yeah, it is okay. It's and yeah, it's totally okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Can I ask you a couple fun questions? Yeah, you can ask me whatever you want. I'm an open book. Go ahead. What is your favorite food? What do you mean by favorite? <laughs> Just whatever you enjoy. What brings you joy when you eat food? Well, I have comfort food? foods and I have favorite. I love lobster more than anything in the entire world. It is my. You live in a really great place for that. Don't yes you? and no. no. Well, like going to Boston is a great place. I mean, yeah, I when sure. we when Fancy was at Boston every you day, I ate another it. lobster roll. You know, and I don't do mayo lobster rolls. Like butter, I the butter and lobster. Ones, I'm a butter one. I'm a butter. I'm a purist. Yes, please. Yes, no please, mayonnaise. please, no mayonnaise. I, I actually don't like mayonnaise. Um, my my com- my biggest comfort food. I love mac and cheese. Do you make it homemade? No. no. I, I will eat that craft out of the box. I will eat it in a row. I will eat it in restaurants when they make it, and I'm a bit of a snob with that. But Sure. You know, I love mac and cheese. Cheese noodles is my binge food. Try not to keep the, the soft one, the, the, the puffy ones. Those the are, ones. That's, a, that's a binge food for me. I like cheese, clearly. You like cheese. cheese. I love cheese. I can't live without cheese. May I never become lactose intolerant. Otherwise, you have to find some really good enzymes. Yeah, right, exactly. Or just get sick when I eat. I mean, I love food. I love everything. I love beef. I love lamb. Those are, I, I'm definitely a car, I'm definitely a car. You like, form. yeah, that's okay. I do. Yeah. I like that stuff. But I also could, you know, I don't necessarily want to be a vegan, but I love vegetables. Sure. I love, I love uh, Mediterranean, Middle Eastern food is probably like my favorite. If you go food. dine out or go somewhere. Yeah. 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 My kids can't stand it. I'm always like, let's go for this Mediterranean. They're like, They're oh like, God, yeah, no, we don't want to go. Please, no. <laughs> but I also like Asian food. I've been to Malaysia twice. I like Indian food. But nobody else really likes to eat that stuff in my household, so I'm kind so of at a loss. You enjoy it when you travel. And That's right. Experience and, it then. And I always say that when I go out to eat, I eat foods I wouldn't make at home. Yes. So I, like totally 99% of the time, will never order a pasta dish when I'm out. No. Because you can make that at home. I did last night, but otherwise I just don't because it was at a restaurant. They're like, well, that's really our signature dish. So I'm like, oh. all right, well, then I'll have it. <laughs> if it's your signature. <laughs> I just, because like, think about it. Pasta costs like a dollar for a I pound know. of pasta. I'm not paying 15 to $20 yeah. for that. I just yeah. I'm not. There's no level of care that you gave to that dish to make it that expensive. (laughs) Still pasta. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's so. Those are some of my favorite. I like pizza too. You like food? That's awesome. I love food. I do. Do you have a favorite drink? Can be alcoholic or non, or both, or one of each. Gee, everybody at my beach makes fun of me. I make jello shots all summer long. Um, 
So I have a favorite. I actually drink water, water a lot. I like coffee. I'm a big coffee drinker, but it doesn't really keep me awake. I just really like the taste, taste of, it. of it. And I'm not a coffee with sweetener kind of person. So that would be like a real treat if I threw a sugar packet in there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm a, either a vodka or a wine girl. Vodka. Yeah. Vodka. Yeah. It's like go big or go home on <laughs> yes. the calories on that one. Yeah. Do you have a very, a, a favorite scent or a smell? Hmm. It's an odd question. That is an odd question. <laughs> I ask. Oh, well, I will tell you what I love. I love a eucalyptus kind of smell. I like anything that's like piney eucalyptus. Uh, cleaning your nasal passages, kind of minty. You know that, like uh-huh. I don't know how, I don't know what the proper phrase is for yeah, that. I, I I can smell it right now, honestly. Yeah, the eucalyptus, minty, pine. Yeah, kind of an outdoorsy. Yes. yes, yes, it's a very clean, refreshing. Makes my sinuses feel like opened up. Yeah, I think that's why I like. We're getting to that time of year too, where that scent kind of is very comforting. Yes, yes. What brings you joy in life? Oh, God. Waking up every day. How about that? I really love traveling. I've turned into quite the travel freak. I mean, if you think about what I told you before, Uh that traveling used to make me sick. I love it now. Yeah. So, you know, just doing the things I want to do in life. And, you know, but waking up, breathing every day gives me joy. Traveling gives me joy. Eating, Eating. feeling, you know, enjoying my senses. You know, Mm -hmm. I enjoy hot yoga. I enjoy swimming. You know, when I swim in a pool, I think about not just my swimming and what I'm doing for my body. I think about, wow, I'm a woman living in the U.S. I can put on a bathing suit and get in a pool. It's true. You know, there are women in other other countries that, you know, have to be covered from head to toe and they don't Mm -hmm. get to enjoy those types of things. That's a good message too. You know, think about the, we take a lot for granted and I think about a lot of the freedoms that we have. I'll think of that next time I swim because that is a very good thing to think of because not everybody has that. Yeah, you can't swim in a burka, you know? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it'd be awful. It'd be awful. (laughs) It'd be awful. But those are like, I mean, those are simple things to to think about that we just, you know, take for granted. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time today. My pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. I am so glad I got the chance to meet Felicia. Completely random at the Iowa Academy meeting, her energy is contagious and she made me feel like I could run out of the room and climb a mountain just because she got me so excited about things. I feel as if she's only just beginning in her career and I really got a nice little chance to explore some more ideas and thoughts with her during our conversation. I even got a nice little pink box in the mail today with some regular girl samples I'm very excited to try them and kind of just keep following her journey. This weekend, I'm having a little party, actually cocktail club with my friends and family to celebrate some birthdays. And part of the party food is going to be my favorite Jolly Time popcorn. I think I'm going to make some Simply Pop and then I'm going to sprinkle it with cracked black pepper and some Parmesan cheese. I think that sounds delicious. For more information or some other popcorn ideas for your next party, go to jollytime.com. My website, annelizabethardy.com, is where you can read my latest weekly wisdom blog post and share in my current crazy adventures with food, music, maybe a little exercise on occasion, a really delicious real deal recipe, or anything that I love right now. You can also purchase my book and find all of my previous podcasts, show notes, 
and links to things we talked about during all my conversations with these great people. Connect with me on social media at AnnelizabethRD and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.